Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're currently walking verse by verse through the book of 1 John. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just wanna make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. A research group posed the following question to a group of children between the ages of four and eight years old. Here's the question. What does love mean? So a group of professional researchers sat down with a group of kids between ages four and eight and asked them the question, what does love mean? And as you can imagine, the results were profound. Here, were, here was one of the answers from this research project. One child said, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. Now, if this is the filter for love, my four-year-old daughter Scarlett does not love me at all. Here's another answer. Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day. All the dog lovers in the room like that answer. Here was another answer by one of the children. I know my oldest sister loves me because she gives me all her old clothes and has to go out and buy new ones. All the teenagers in the room appreciate that. A couple more. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. That's pretty deep. That may have been altered. One, one more answer uh, from this group of kids. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> As a, as a church family, we are discovering together what love is really all about. We're studying verse by verse through the New Testament book of 1 John. And currently, we're unpacking a section of scripture in 1 John in which the word love is mentioned 27 different times. And thus far, we've established in this section of 1 John that love is not being described as the selfish emotion as it is often depicted in our culture. In the text that we're unpacking, John is describing the love of God. And in this little span of time that we're talking about it, we are in no way seeking to give a comprehensive description of the love of God. But we have given a few phrases that I think give us a snapshot into what God's love is really all about. And I want us to look at those as we jump in 
today. Here are three phrases that I believe give us a glimpse into what God's love is really all about. First of all, love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Love is a willful decision, not an emotional response. When we talk about the love of God, we have to understand that his love is self-sacrificing, not self-serving. You see, the love of God is focused on the well-being of others. It does not just look inwardly. And then one more phrase that we've looked at the past few weeks is this. Love is undeserved, not earned. Thank God that his love is not just for those who are lovable. Otherwise, you and I would never be able to experience it. And so this morning, we're going to continue in this conversation of unpacking what God's love is really all about. So if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to the book of 1 John chapter 4? And in just a moment, I'm going to begin reading in verse 11. If you have not been able to be here the past few Sundays, I want to encourage you to go on our website, hopechurchonline.com. And listen to the past two weeks of sermons because those sermons really lay a foundation for what we're going to be talking about today. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And finally, verse 16, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Here is the big idea, the overarching principle that I believe is found within the verses that we just read. Out of the overflow of my personal experience with the love of God, I am to demonstrate love to others. Out of the overflow of my personal experience with the love of God, I am to demonstrate love to others. As the people of God, we are called to love one another in the same way that God loves us. But here is what is so critical for us to all embrace this morning. There is no way that we can demonstrate love to others apart from our own personal experience with the love of God. We've said it this way throughout the series, my capacity for loving others is found in my personal experience with the love of God. And as you and I experience the love of God, the overflow of that 
is that we love others. And this principle was a really big deal for John, the one who wrote this book we know as 1 John. You see, John both heard Jesus teach this principle, and as we just read, he also shared it with other believers. Jesus said this in John chapter 15. This is what John captured in the gospel of John. Jesus saying, love each other in the same way I have loved you. And then we see here in verse 11, as John is writing to these believers, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And we see here by him using the phrase one another that he's specifically talking about the context of God's family. Now, I don't know about you, but as I read the first part of verse 11, here's what I feel. I feel pressure to perform. There's a sense of pressure for me when I read the first part of verse 11, and I think to myself, because God has so loved me and lavished his love upon me, in response to that, I need to do the very best I can in order to love others. You may not feel that, but I feel that. And so before we really jump into unpacking some of this um, content today, I just want to clarify something that I believe is extremely theological, theologically significant, and that's this. What John is not telling us to do today is to go and live for God in such a way that we do our very best to love people. What John is instructing us to do here is that as you and I experience the love of God, what will happen is his love that he has for us will be demonstrated through us to one another. One of the, one of the books that I read often, just in my God time, as just a tool, is this book by Major Ian Thomas called The Indwelling Life of Christ. And I want you to listen to the way that he articulates the difference between living for God and that mentality versus an understanding of Christ's life in us and through us. Listen to what Major Ian Thomas said. He said, it is not a matter of our doing our best for him. Thank God. But of Christ being his best in us. All that he is in all that we are. The Christian life is nothing less than the life which he lived then, lived now by him in you. So as we look at this principle that John lays down in verse 11, don't hear him saying, do your best to love others. Hear him saying, as you experience the love of God, the natural overflow is going to be demonstrating that love to God's family and to the world. So that begs a question. If we are to demonstrate the love in which we've experienced from God to God's family, 
How does God love us? And how does he desire to love through us? So to unpack that, I want to share with you this morning four ways that God loves us. And as we talk about that, we're going to connect the dots to determine, okay, how does he desire to demonstrate that through us? So here's the first way this morning I want to highlight that God loves us. God loves us initially. He chose to love you before you loved him. God did not wait to love you until you loved him. He chose to love you before you were even looking for him. He chose to love us first. We didn't earn it, deserve it, gain it, or discover it. He loved us initially. We looked last week at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 in which John wrote this. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Aren't you thankful for the initial love of God? So if that's how he has loved us, let's ask this question. What does that look like in us towards our brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, I think in this way that God loves us, it means a couple things. First of all, it means choosing to love one another. If we are going to demonstrate God's initial love to us, here's what that means in the context of God's family. We must choose to love one another. Now, we can be honest this morning as a church family and just say that there are some members of God's family that are easier to love than others. You don't have to look at them. You don't have to raise your hand. But we all know that that's true. When we are loving as Christ loved us, we love by choice. Not because someone is likable or lovable and not because, because someone has loved us. We choose a willful decision. We choose to love them. As we experience God's love, we will choose to love one another. I think something else this means for us as the family of God is this. It means taking the initiative to demonstrate God's love. Here's what that means. It means I'm not to wait to love in return. I'm to love first. It means I am to pursue opportunities to love other members of God's family. Let me ask you this. When's the last time that you took the initiative to encourage someone? When's the last time you took the initiative to develop and deepen a relationship within God's family. Not waiting for someone to pursue you, but you took the initiative in order to pursue them, to demonstrate to them the love that God has for you. That's what it means to love initially the way that God has loved us. He chose to love us before we loved him. And we are to do the same in the context of the family of God. Here's another way that God loves us. Sacrificially. He laid down his life for you. God loves us initially. And God loves us sacrificially. 
The very core message of the gospel is the sacrificial love of God. Here's a verse that we looked at last week from Romans chapter 5. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This word demonstrated, it means to put on display. It means to make public, to make clear. God made his love clear by sacrificing his son on the cross for us. Another verse that I think really communicates the sacrificial love of God is 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. I want to read this from the message paraphrase. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. God loves us sacrificially. Without question, the cross of Jesus showed God's love for the world. And I shared this with you last week, but if you ever question God's love for you, or if someone that you know questions God's love for them, all you have to do is point them to the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe without question The cross of Jesus Christ demonstrates, displays God's love for the world. So let's ask the same question. What does that look like in us toward our brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, here's one thing I believe it means. It means sacrificing time, energy, and resources for others. It's been said that the greatest way to spell love is T-I-M-E, time. Yet what I find most often in my life, and you may be able to relate with this, one of the hardest things to yield to the Lord is our schedule. We don't usually operate from the perspective that we are vessels that God is desiring to live and love through. We often live as though God controls certain parts of our life, but we control the rest. And there is a much different mindset in a person who is living completely surrendered to God in all things versus someone who is living selfish and guarded to what God desires to do through them. And I believe most of the times when we miss opportunities To sacrificially demonstrate the love of God is because we are so consumed with guarding our time, energy, and resources. I want us to understand this this morning. Most of the time, I dare say all of the time, loving sacrificially is not convenient. If we are going to seek out and pursue to love others and to love them sacrificially as we have been loved, that sacrificial love will not be convenient. I love what John Ortberg said. He said, when my only task is to be available, it is impossible to be interrupted. I think that paints a picture of a heart that says, Lord, today's not my day, it's your day. These resources are not mine, they're yours. 
These abilities are not mine. They're, they're yours. And I am living yielded to you, ready for an opportunity to demonstrate your sacrificial love to the members of God's family that are around me. Let me ask you this question. Who do you need to invest time in this week to demonstrate the love of God to them? As you think about your resources and your abilities, what brother or sister in Christ do you need to sacrificially serve in order to demonstrate God's love to them? What does it look like for you to make a sacrifice in order to serve this body called hope? What does it look like for you to sacrificially serve your small group or those on your ministry team? Here's a prayer I would challenge you to pray if you recognize this is, this is a hard one for you. I challenge you to pray this. Lord, show me opportunities to sacrificially love others. Lord, would you just show me, make me aware of opportunities to sacrificially love others. And here's the deal. When he shows you those opportunities, don't ignore the spirit of God. You've asked him to show you, to make those plain to you. And when he does, leverage them. And may the life of Christ in you be pressed out through you and be a demonstration of God's sacrificial love. God loves us initially. He loves us sacrificially. He also loves us unconditionally. He'll never stop loving you no matter what. God will never stop loving you no matter what. In the book of Psalm 136, there's a verse, and, and here's what it says. His faithful love endures forever. God's faithful love endures forever. It's everlasting. It's eternal. Now, here's what's very significant about Psalm 136. This verse, this phrase right here, is not just mentioned once. It's mentioned 26 times. If you've never read Psalm 136, I challenge you this week, set aside some time and just read that psalm. 26 different times, the psalmist repeats, his faithful love endures forever. And this week, as I was thinking about the unconditional love of God, I asked this. Apparently, the psalmist thought it was important for God's people to repeat that God's love endures forever over and over and over and over. And I asked myself, why? No matter how many times we hear it or say it, the love of God is the best news we could ever receive or share. And I hope for us as a fellowship, as we continue just to process the unbelievable love of God, that we never lose sight of the worth of his endless and unconditional love for us. His faithful love endures forever. So what does that look like in us toward our brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, I believe here's one thing it means. 
It means loving consistently regardless of the circumstance. God has loved us even though we were not lovable. His love for us is unconditional. And if we are going to love others that way, it will mean loving consistently regardless of the circumstance. You see, loving my brothers and sisters in Christ this way means that my love for them is not based on how they treat me. It's based on who they are as my brother or sister in Christ. You see, unconditional love doesn't leave when you get your feelings hurt. It doesn't break fellowship when someone's behavior doesn't meet your expectations. It means that we never stop loving one another no matter what. I've said this before, but it begs repeating. As you think about the people within the family of God, potentially who have hurt you, and I believe that it's impossible to get this many people together and somebody not get their feelings hurt. But the reality is this. There is nothing that you and I can do to one another that we have not done a million times to Jesus. Yet over and over and over, he has extended grace and unconditional love to us. May that be our heart toward one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's a fourth and final way that God loves us. Honestly, he loves you enough to always tell you the truth. God loves us honestly. Jesus said this of himself in John chapter 14. I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. In John chapter 16 and verse 13, we read this. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Do you realize that everything God says is right, true, and wise? Everything he says is right, it's true, and it's wise. And sometimes that truth encourages us. Sometimes it challenges us. Sometimes it convicts us. But it is always God loving us enough to be honest. So what does that look like in the context of God's family? What does that look like in us toward our brothers and sisters in Christ? I believe it means this. It means speaking the truth in love. And that, that call or command comes straight out of the book of Ephesians chapter 4, where Paul writes this. Speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Let me ask you this this morning. Is there anyone that God's put on your heart this week or maybe even right now who you need to go to and lovingly encourage with the truth? That could be an email. That could be a text message. That could be a face-to-face conversation. That you just want to go to them and just encourage them with the truth in the same way. Is there anyone that that God maybe has put on your heart that you need to go to and lovingly challenge them with the truth? 
Not beating over the head, not starting an argument, but just in humility and in love, challenging them with the truth. You see, God loves us enough to always tell us the truth. And that same way that he loves us, we are to demonstrate that love to other people. In verse 12 of our text today, um, John writes a few more things that are really, really significant. Look at verse 12. He says, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love, he says this, is perfected in us. He says at the beginning of verse 12, no one has seen God up close and personal in his unveiled glory and majesty. No one has beheld him that way. However, we see what he is like when his children demonstrate his love to one another. Now, he writes there in verse 12 a conditional word. He says, if we love one another. But when we do, and we choose to demonstrate the love we've experienced as his children to one another, he says here that it demonstrates what he is like and the love that he has for the world. John MacArthur wrote this. He said, the unseen God thus reveals himself through the visible love of believers. The love that originated in God and was manifested in his son is now demonstrated in his people. The word that he uses at the end of verse 12 is the word perfected. It's a word that means complete or it means to achieve a goal. You see, when we love as he loves, his purpose in us has been achieved. God's plan for every person is conformity to the image of Christ. It is what he desires for every person. But here's the big picture. The love of God in us not only impacts us, it flows out of us to impact God's family and it makes the love of God visible to the world. Jesus even went to this point of saying this in John chapter 13. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Then listen to this statement. This is, this is so significant. By this, all men or the world will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I want us to realize today that Jesus could have said anything right here. He could have said, by this preaching, or by this building, or by this singing, or by what you wear to church, people are going to know you're my disciple. He didn't choose to say any of those things. Here's what he chose to say. He said, the world is going to know that you belong to me by the way you love my family. That's powerful. There's not something in parentheses there. There's not a footnote at the bottom. He says the world is going to know that you are my child, that you are my follower, that you belong to me 
by the way that you love my family. And the way that you love my family is going to make my love visible to the lost world who is looking for love and acceptance and to belong to something of significance. So I want to start this, I want to end this morning with where we began, with this principle. Out of the overflow of my personal experience with the love of God, I am to demonstrate love to others. So I want to ask you this this morning. Have you experienced personally the love of God? Has there ever been a moment for you where you acknowledged that in and of yourself you are not sufficient and that you need a relationship with God and you have personally experienced his love? If not, today could be the day where you embrace the gospel and you become a follower of Jesus. If you are a Christian here this morning, let me ask you this. Are you currently walking and experiencing the love of God on a moment-by-moment basis? Or have you strayed away and begin relying on your own resources versus walking in dependence on him? Out of the overflow of my personal experience with the love of God, I am to demonstrate love to others. If you're a believer here today, are you demonstrating to God's family the very love that you have experienced from God? If you're not, I would ask you, what's the, what's the obstacle? What's the struggle? Maybe it's an attitude or a perspective. Maybe you've been hurt in some capacity. Maybe you're just not pursuing Jesus. And so right now his life is not flowing through you. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you're living, but this is really our challenge. That we would come to a place of understanding that out of the overflow of our personal experience with the love of God, the love that cared for us initially, that loves us sacrificially, unconditionally, and honestly, we are to demonstrate that love to others. Let me invite you to bow your head this morning. We're going to transition now to a time of response. And I don't know about you, but I feel like what we're talking about this morning is extremely practical. We've looked for two weeks at the amazing love of God. His love for us, his love in us, and his love through us. And today, as we transition to really say, okay, that very love we've experienced is supposed to flow through us and be demonstrated to God's family. It gives us all a moment today to ask the question, is that happening? Are you someone today and you are soaking, 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 soaking up the love of God, but you're not pouring out? If so, today may be a moment for you to pray, Lord, would you give me opportunities? Lord, would you show me opportunities? To demonstrate your love to others. Maybe you're here and, and God has revealed some opportunities for you, but you've just ignored them. And this morning, you just need to come to a place of saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I ignored your voice. I ignored what you were leading me to do. But Lord, I want that to change. 
Because God, I understand now that out of the overflow of what I've experienced with your love, that is to flow out of me and be demonstrated to other members of God's family. I don't know how God's speaking to you today. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with God. But you understand today that God loves you. And he has demonstrated that love by sending his son to die in your place on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin and the sins of the world. The Bible teaches us that when he died, he was buried. But on the third day, by the power of God, he was brought back to life. And that he stands ready today to give eternal life to all those who put their faith in his finished work on the cross and in his life. So in just a moment, we're going to stand and sing just a song of response today. And if God is speaking to you, maybe you need to come to Christ today. Maybe there's something going on in your relationship with God's family you need to deal with. Maybe you want to come here up on these steps and just kneel down and talk to God. Maybe there's someone in this room you need to go to. These are moments when we are free to follow the leadership of the Spirit of God and respond in obedience to what he says. So, Lord, I pray in these moments, Lord, as some of us pray, as some of us listen, as some of us sing, God, that you would direct us. Lord, we ask you when this service started to speak to us. And God, I believe that you are. I pray you would give us grace to respond to the way that you are moving in our lives. Speak to us, Lord. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen.